It has been brought to our attention that depending on the platform that you listen to, you can no longer hear some of our previous episodes. Some of our favorite episodes. Some of the ones where people would reach out and say, hey, listen, I can't believe that you talked to insert whatever name here. And honestly, it makes us a little sad that you can't go back in time and have a listen because the stories were really incredible. We reference a lot of times, oh, we had a chance to talk with so-and-so in the past. And if you can't go back, then it's kind of just, oh. So we wanted to bring some of those guests, some of those former guests back into the spotlight. We're going to call it like a, a rerun, I think. A Why Me Project rerun. Do you remember those? I do. Back in the day, or you used to throw the tape into the VCR and <laughs> oh, we're dating ourselves. We are, but uh, a rerun was the opportunity to rewatch one of your favorite episodes. Now everything's so accessible. Well, we thought it was. Yeah, exactly. So without further ado... Here's your Why Me Project rerun. The Why Me Project, an exclusive presentation of Faith Strong Today. I'm really excited about today's interview. It should be fun. Yeah, this guest is one that I remember my first introduction to him, and it was all of the isms that you would say at church. What was it? Christianese or something? Shoot, Christian say. Yes, that's it. Just echo the echo. Just want to <laughs> echo the echo of the, of the echoes. <laughs> well, if it wasn't that, uh, Christian Tingle, one of my favorites. Uh, Bolin, which I think we're oh, going to have yes. to bring it up to him. I think so. It is uh, hopefully by the end of this, our really good friend, Trip, my friend. How are you? I'm fantastic. We like to ask this skill testing question because we never know where it's going to go. Who is Trip and where did you come from? I am a guy in Atlanta, Georgia. I have a wife and two children and a dog, and I make funny videos for a living out of a small office in a small suburb, and that's who I am. Where did I come from? Uh, <laughs> my parents. That's where I came from. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we don't need to. We don't How need to. do I need to be? I, mean, <laughs> I can elaborate. No, it's okay. You see, when a man loves a woman. <laughs> right. When a man buys a woman flowers. Ooh, okay. So oh, let me ask you this then. Uh, life growing up, because, I mean, I mean you're, you're a comedian, you're a funny guy. Was that how you were in school? Were you a class clown? I was pretty addicted to attention in high school. And I found that making people laugh was the, the shortest route to that. And I don't necessarily think that means I was funny. I think it just means I was willing to do whatever I thought could get me attention. So I did a lot of dumb things, a lot of streaking type of things, and <laughs> acting out in class and really raising hell with teachers. I feel bad about it to this day, but I did learn how to get a reaction out of people at a young age. And slowly over time, I matured just a tad bit and figured out how to channel that into more of a, a craft. Looking back over your you know, high school or even college, did you go to college? I did. So looking back Am over... obviously college educated? Come on. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I didn't want to assume because I just went to a tech school. I don't even know how I end up on radio, so that was a blessing. That's true. I mean, none of us are using what we learned in college. <laughs> That's not true. I actually am. But to be fair, I'm one of the few people I know. I studied media communication. I learned how to communicate and make videos in college, and that's what I'm doing. If the question would have been thrown out to Trip, when I grow up, I want to be blank, what would have that answer have been? I, w I want to make movies. 
Like big feature movies or? Yeah, like make feature films. That's what I've wanted to do since I was 11 years old. Technology wasn't the same as it was now. Did you put together any movies when you were growing up? Oh, yeah. I mean, I was obsessed with my dad's video camera and that's what I did with my friends. That's what I did when I was alone. I was constantly tinkering and, and trying different things and making what I thought at the time were really funny videos with my friends. So I've been doing it my whole life. It's amazing then to see that a person who has a passion for something is actually following what their passion is because you hear of people, you know, I wanted to be a fireman and now they're doing something different or mm -hmm. I wanted to do this. You're actually, yeah. I mean, not only are you producing, you're directing, you're speaking, you're a comedian and you get to kind I of guess, do all of those things. Yeah, and I wish I had great advice about that, but I feel, I, I don't feel like I really made any intentional decisions. I, I, I'm, maybe I'm lucky. I'm lucky that I discovered what I enjoyed early on, and then I found a way to study that in college, and then I found a way to do it myself. If, if anything, I have my parents to think. Uh, my parents always found ways to put me in position to use things that they thought I enjoyed. So my dad bought an expensive video camera, and he could have not let me use it out of fear that I would break it, but he did. And I did break. I, I broke a few video cameras. <laughs> But he just kept, he kept putting it in front of me. And then I had a youth pastor who invested in me and, and would sit up, set up a video camera in the back of the room and have me record things that no one would ever watch again. But I think he just saw that I had an interest and he invested in it. For you, I mean, you talk about your youth pastor. When did faith really become a big part of your life? Really high school. I was really involved in my youth group. And uh, I pretty much lettered in youth group in high school. Like, that's all I did. I didn't, I wasn't good enough to play sports because I went to a big high school where a lot of guys were moving on to D1 colleges and they were just tremendous athletes. So, I mean, I could have maybe been on the sidelines of the football team because they accept so many people on the team. And I didn't really like, I, I didn't buy into the extracurricular things at school. I didn't do any of the clubs. I just, I went to youth group and that's where I found I, I could be the person I wanted to be. That's where I could make videos and stand on stage and make funny announcements. And um, that's where all my friends were. And that's where all the girls were. <laughs> Does your wife find you funny? Barely. Uh, she's over it. She's funnier than me. I find her funny. But she doesn't always find me funny. I, I figured that that might be why we ended up being married, because in no way was she ever a fan of any type. She just uh, she doesn't think I'm that funny. <laughs> when did you guys meet? I mean, it's really a boring story. I could make up something better. Uh, tender, uh, <laughs> eHarmony. We met because we worked together. I, her dad was a client of mine in my video production business early on, and she was managing the project that I was working on. And then I really just wanted to make out with her. I, I, really, I was in kind of like a season of life where I was kind of on this uh, rampage with the women, and we went out and actually stayed up the entire night talking. And I was like, oh, there's something here. Then we pretty much since that night have spent every day together for the last six years. Now, talking or air quote talking? <laughs> uh, you know, I've been married a few years. We're pretty much talking. No, that's yeah. well, And you got two kids, so. <laughs> two kids, yeah. We're, we're doing a lot of talking. Not a lot, Not of, a sleeping. lot of sleeping. <laughs> just, yeah. Yep, yep. I'm there too. I have a two-year-old and a four-year-old, so I, I feel that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fine. It's Life is seasonal, and right now we are learning how to be a team as we manage all of these different aspects of life at the same time. Like, there's no downtime anymore. It's mm -hmm. like we're, we're having to accomplish things all the time. And then when we get downtime, I'm just too tired to do anything with it. 
Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, You're a parent? yes. Uh, sleep, sometimes if I can get it. Facebook, just to stop thinking about things. <laughs> right. I don't know what this whole stigma is about spending less time online. I'm like, no, this, I need this. I need mindless activity. <laughs> I need to know, you know, which ones of my friends are getting engagement photos right now. I need to know. I, I need to not think. I was reading an article with regards to you and, and your successes and that. And, and one of the things that stood out was early Hollywood success almost ruined my career. Yeah, sort of did for a while. The short story is we had a viral video on YouTube in 2006 before YouTube was nearly as popular as it is. I mean, I would say we had one of the first comedy sketches on YouTube that went viral and immediately got lots of attention in Hollywood, lots of production companies and late shows. And I mean, we, we flew out to L.A. to meet, take all these meetings and no one really knew what to do with Internet content at the time. No one knew how to monetize it. And we sure didn't. On that trip, the other guys and I, who were kind of this comedy troupe at the time, we got in this big discussion about what we would do and how we would figure out how we would monetize it and who, who would be what roles and how much each of us would own. We never made a video after that again. We, mm. we completely disbanded. Uh, it took years for Tyler and I to reconnect and start working together again. But it almost all ended in that moment. It's kind of like that moment where you're like, hey, we've made it, and then... And really then nothing. nothing. Yeah, yeah. For me, it was. I think I. Be, I was too young to realize the danger of obsessing over advancing. When I talk to, I, I, every now and then, I'll talk to some like twenty-five-year-old who's like, "I want to have a career that's fun. I want to do what I love." And I'm always reminding them, "Well, then just do what you love." Like if you start obsessing over figuring out how to advance that thing or take it to the next level, then you risk doing the thing you love. And um, it can fall apart real fast when, you, when all you're thinking about is, is expanding it. And then if you, if you aren't doing what you love, you actually risk expanding it. The vice versa is true as well. Hmm. So I, I think we just we got ahead of ourselves. Instead of just going back home and making more comedy sketches like we should have, we were obsessed over who would own how much and how we would make money and how we would turn into a business. And, and that was a grave mistake. Was there anger towards God then because you were, I mean, you guys thought that this was it, and then all of a sudden you guys took, you know, one, you took two steps back rather than another step forward? I don't think I recognized at the time that that was happening. I mean, we, we had this meeting. We didn't know, we didn't decide at the meeting, okay, we're done. We just got back home and didn't do it. We all just kind of got caught up in other things, and there was just, we just lost the synergy, for lack of better words, and it didn't happen. I think we all got caught up in something else. I think years later, I looked back, and if I was mad at anyone, I was mad at myself for obsessing over the wrong thing. And, uh, but it was a learning opportunity, and uh, we got a second chance. And Tyler and I went back at it. We got a second chance. And, and it's a lesson I keep, I keep learning. It's really hard in the creative field especially to get lost in the anxiety of how to monetize what you're doing and how to build an audience, especially now that everything is social media driven. Everything is about building an audience and it's just exhausting. And I think it probably paralyzes a lot of people like myself from just continuing to do the thing that you love out of the love of it. I don't know that the people with the biggest audiences are not necessarily the most happy. Then how did you and Tyler, I mean, you guys were together, then it's it, somewhat you guys disbanded. How did you guys make the decision or how did you then create who you are now, Tripp and Tyler? Well, interestingly, uh, when, we, when we stopped working on our sketches, I took a job at a, a big church here in Atlanta called North Point. And 
I, I took the job as the guy that made the funny pre-service videos that advertised all the little ministries going on in the church. They, they wanted Tyler and I to, to be in those videos, and so we, we kind of became, at this church, we became Trip and Tyler. And this was a large church. Like I said, there was like 20,000 people in attendance at the time. So all of these people that had companies started seeing us on screen as Trip and Tyler, the funny guys, and they started asking us to come to their conference or do a video for their company. And then we just started churning out videos for hire. Soon enough, we became Trip and Tyler online as well, because we were just posting those videos on our YouTube channel when we were done with them, when the company was done with them. And before long, we were Trip and Tyler. I mean, you guys are constantly creating new things. How are you coming up with ideas? Is there a process that you guys are doing it? Or is it kind of just, hey, listen, I had a dream. Let's make that dream come true. I would say we've become disciplined writers in the sense that I I personally, I try not to let a a funny thought that I have or just a conceptual idea escape. If I have it, I find a place in my life to write it down. I'm a big Evernote guy. So I have this massive, I mean, I have so many terrible ideas in Evernote that (laughs) usually there's like one in there that we eventually turn into something when when there's an opportunity. So I think that the the lesson I've learned is to not wait till there's an opportunity to try to have an idea. I try and just write them down as I have them. And then when there's an opportunity, I can go to my Evernote. I'm like, okay, this company needs something about blank. Surely we have had an idea or something. And, and there it is. And, and I mean, I, we brought this up before, but a comedian or actor, producer, director, speaker, is there one specific one that you prefer over the other? Since I was 11, I've wanted to direct movies, and I didn't even know what that meant at 11. I just, I would say I want to make movies, and really the person that makes a movie is the director. I mean, it's, it's a collaborative effort, and, but the director is the one that, you know, gets the, gets the Oscar if the movie wins. And so that's really my real passion. I love performing as well, and sometimes it's hard to, to I mean, just this morning, I was sitting with my team having a conversation about this short film that I'm working on or sorry, uh, a feature that I'm almost done writing, and I we were talking about whether or not I should act in it. But gun to my head, I would pick directing. Okay, well, we're not going to get too violent, yeah, but still. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we actually, we're actually working on a video about a gun-to-head service for people that have decisions to make. Um, <laughs> and uh, they, they take square, um, they take uh, cash credit. It's, uh, it's a great service. They'll come to your house, they'll put a gun to your head, and then you can make a decision. But do they take Bitcoin? Oh, that's a great question. They should. Are you guys into crypto? Well, well yes. Johnny is. Yes. He, he kind of suckered me in. What was that like? Me too. <laughs> it's been, been a dramatic year, huh? Well, oh, I got, yeah. see, I got in in 2013, so I've, I've, I've ridden the wave a very long time. I got in right where it peaked, yeah. and then it just dropped. So I think oh, I've got no. $2 Holly, left. Holly broke Bitcoin. <laughs> Oh, no. It's all my you fault. Didn't get in at like the $19,000 mark, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I would have. Yeah. yeah, so we've oh, had quite no. the hits. But, Sorry. you know, it's a long term thing, right? Long term. You got to hold. <laughs> yeah. You got to keep holding on. Right? No that's, selling. That's funny. <laughs> so then, when, I mean, you, you create these videos and, and they come out. I mean, you said social media is a big thing. How are you dealing with the reaction, whether it's positive or negative, from your videos? We learned a long time ago not to read YouTube comments. The YouTube comment section is kind of like the trailer park of the internet. It's just where a lot of garbage is, and there's just people are ruthless, and they just have bad things. They're just looking for a, a place to, to be negative. That being said, I mean, we get a lot of positive comments, too. I, I don't know. I, 
you ask that, and I'm like, I don't even remember the last time I cared about a comment on a video. I think our goal is to make something that we're proud of, and if we think it's funny, that's great. If there's a brand sponsor or a client behind it, we also care what they think. But as far as, you know, the general public, I think we've done a good job of building some sort of fan base that appreciates what we do. We've done that by doing what we think is funny. I don't like trying to please the masses. That's part of why social media is hard for me. I just came along a little too late. My wife's a few years younger than me, so she was, I think she's just on the other side of that generational line that has social media just part of her brain. Like, she's so integrated. that She thinks... Whenever something's happening, she thinks to take a picture and caption it or post it or whatever. I don't. Like, that just feels like extra work to me. Do you have a favorite sketch that you guys have done? I think, I mean, my favorite sketch is probably... Gun to head. <laughs> Gun to head. My favorite sketch is probably... Uh, I mean, probably a conference call in real life is my favorite one. Really? Okay. okay. I mean, just... Uh, I think we've done funnier sketches, but that's the one I'm most proud of. It's purely exactly what it needed to be. We had uh, talked with a man by the name of Chris Tomlin a few years ago, and we had yeah. asked him. We'd asked him about bowling. <laughs> oh boy! Just in case you missed it, here's what he had to say. Oh my goodness! I'm not sure bowling's going to eclipse how great is our God. But, really? I don't um, know. <laughs> Maybe um, for different reasons. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh my gosh! I, I'm. So sorry that you guys have seen that. <laughs> That's great. Have you thought about maybe doing something similar with, say, a Michael W. Smith, a Stephen Curtis Chapman, or an Amy Grant? Uh, we haven't. You know, I, I've never considered it. I mean, we should. I don't know what it would be. I mean, we really brought Chris in. Why did we bring Chris in? I was really good friends with um, the girl that he's not married to. So I think we were all to dinner one night and, and we just expressed wanting to work together in some way. And at the time, Tyler and I were hosting this big conference called Catalyst and they commissioned us to make a funny music video. And I think he was probably performing or something. And I was, all the pieces just went together and we did it. There was never really an intention to make a Chris Tomlin video or even, I mean, I, there's really never an intention behind much of what we do. It's just, the, the, just the circumstances kind of, bring together an idea in, in some weird way. There's there's always a different story, I guess, behind each video. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm like <laughs> randomly going to say nothing. All I'm thinking is a part two called The Mullet might, might be a good thing. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, this is the Why Me Project. So let's do that whole look back over okay. your life. A Why Me moment, a standout one that could be from a valley where you're kind of crying out to God as to why me, why is this happening to me? Or where you feel like you've reached some sort of point of success and you're just humbled that God chose you to deliver his message. That is a deep question. Gun to head, gun to um, head. From mullets to why me moments. <laughs> um, gun to head. I don't know why this is coming to mind. I, it's not, I think that when you said gun to head, I just went with my gut. But like getting married was really hard for me. I had a, I have a major affinity to commitment in general. Like, not just dating was that way, but, like, back in my blockbuster days, I would leave with no movie because I just couldn't ever figure out what the perfect movie was for that night. And I, I just, I've had this problem my whole life of setting a bar so high that I, I can never quite make the perfect choice, which led to a lot of anxiety and a lot of therapy. And I think 
when I what I'm most grateful for is getting to a place where I was able to make a decision and and ask Hannah to marry me. And looking back now, I I feel so dumb for making such a big deal out of that decision. I know it's a big decision, but it was like it should have been so much more obvious to me that it was the right choice. But I'm really grateful that God brought me to a place through friends and family and seriously lots of therapy where I was able to recognize that my fear of commitment was, or just like my tendency to set the bar high was me just avoiding. It was just a really roundabout way of me avoiding like taking responsibility for myself and taking risks. Um, This is actually what my movie that I'm writing is about, by the way. Oh. Oh. So I've got a sneak peek. fresh in my mind. You're getting a sneak peek. Yeah. The life inside of Tripp's mind. That's it. And I, I know a lot of people, I feel like um, kind of talking about that has, has opened my eyes to how many people are struggling with some sort of anxiety in their life. Anxiety is such an epidemic. And, you know, when you grow up in the church, you get a lot of like, take two verses and call me in the morning type of advice. And like, now we're starting to realize that anxiety is like a real thing. It's it's like, it's, uh, it can be chemical, it can be um, circumstantial, but like, it's, it's very debilitating. And, um, and I really, I really want to help figure out ways to help people get through that and recognize where it's coming from and really be able to get over that hump because it's paralyzing. Yeah. And it kind of seems like now with social media, everybody has that highlight reel on their Instagram and you think, you know, talking about yeah. the bar being so high, how can my house be that clean and look so nice and their kids so happy? Yeah. It's, it's yeah, just my, everywhere. My friend John Acuff, uh, tweeted this morning about that. He said, um, you know, he said when, when he was growing up, his mom had about eight women to compare herself to. It was just the ladies in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And she didn't know what kind of mom all the women in Seattle and New York and L.A. and all over the place were. Now we just have everyone to compare ourselves to. Yeah, so it does contribute. Do you find now, though, because you had this this fear of commitment and that, do you put a bigger emphasis on marriage? Because sometimes going into marriage, if you were just excited about marriage, I mean, I think of Holly and myself. Yeah. I married my high school sweetheart. Holly never thought maybe that she would ever get married. Yeah. So sometimes to me, it seems like marriage is just a, a second nature kind of thing where Holly might feel like she has to work a little harder. I, at her I marriage. analyze it a lot more. I, I had so much advice. I mean, I was one of the last people. I got married late. I got married at like late for where I live. Um, I got married at 35 and most of my friends had already, I mean, they'd had their vasectomies by the time I was engaged. <laughs> like they were done, like they were that far along. And like, I, I got so much advice that I realized there is like everyone's speaking out of their own experience and every marriage is different. Every relationship's different. The important thing is to understand yourself and to deal with yourself and, and discover what it is you really want and what it is really keeping you from, from, going after the things that you really want. And, you know, in the church, we talk about your heart and the desires of your heart, and that's what I mean. I mean, you, you have, it's important to connect with the, the unique person that you were created to be. And some people are just already comfortable. They don't have a lot of baggage, they don't have a lot of undoing in their life, and it's easy to recognize what they want out of marriage or a career. It was for me in a, in a career. It just wasn't in a relationship. But once I did the hard work of dealing with that, um, work and you know yeah tyler married his high school sweetheart it was very little work for him i mean it was just like oh yeah we want to get married yeah we do we're get married now they're happily married i'm like how did you do that how did you do that so easily are you guys able to lean on one another 
my wife and I. Uh, you and you and Tyler. It's hard because I'm like eight inches taller than him, <laughs> so he has to. If he's standing on something, sometimes it's weird that we're even doing comedy together because we're not like sitting around telling each other jokes. I mean, we've really gone through the trenches of life together, and and um, we're really more friends than anything. I, I suspect that. I mean, I, look, it's a privilege to to be able to make funny videos for a living, but I don't suspect it's something we'll always be able to do. Maybe we will, maybe we won't. But I I I am confident that our friendship. Will, will be forever. Can always buy him phone books or get him phone books. <laughs> yeah, stand on. You'd be That's what I do. How often he is standing on something in our videos. <laughs> <laughs> I always wear heels, the highest ones I can get. Johnny's like six something. Yeah. I'm five something. Well, you're what well, you're oh, what five wow. two? Yeah, I'm five two. Yeah, and I'm oh, six, wow. I'm six two. So you can see how that works. You can check him out on Twitter. It is Trip and Tyler. Also, jump onto YouTube, Trip and Tyler, or tripandtyler.tv. Trip, my friend, appreciate you taking a minute and yeah. uh, spending some time with us. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Take care. I can only imagine, and I, I think it would be difficult for somebody who is known, say, like Trip, as a funny man, mm-hmm. to perhaps have those real in depth conversations because people expect you to be that funny guy. I think this is one of my favorite interviews. And I know it's a bold statement. We're only 46 episodes into this. But (laughs) I really didn't know what to expect. And I just really appreciate Tripp's honesty and the fact that I could relate to him on a lot of levels when it came to his fear of commitment. And I think the fear of commitment, because you and I, and we kind of touched on yours, where you didn't know if you were going to get married, Mm -hmm. the whole kids thing. My thing was, I think because my wife and I were so young when we got together, my commitment was, well, I'm too young for this. You know, all of my quote unquote Christian friends were getting married at 18. I didn't want to be just one of those other people. Yeah. So if it wasn't for her fighting for our relationship, I don't think 16 years later we would be where we were. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's really interesting to reflect, uh, especially when you hear of Tripp and his story and how, you know, he met his wife. And for me, like you had said, it was, you know, more of the I didn't know if I was going to get married or have kids. It wasn't really. One of those life goals I had set out early on. But, you know, God always has a way of making his plan known to you, in some cases, by you seeking out help to deal with some of the the head noise that might be going around, whether it be anxiety or whether you're going through just dealing with baggage from life in general. And that's where marriage sometimes can be difficult because you come in with all of this baggage and now you're supposed to drop that onto somebody else. They're supposed to try to understand what you're going through. They want to help you, but sometimes you can't even help yourself or you don't have the right answers with what you're dealing with. Yeah, exactly. So let's just make this note. If you're going through something, it is always okay to talk to somebody about what you're going through. Thank you for tuning in to an old episode, a past guest of our Why Me Project rerun. Something that we're starting now because there are so many episodes that we really did love and they've kind of disappeared from the digital world. And speaking of digital world, I did a little recon. There are at least nine different platforms in which you can listen to the Why Me Project podcast. Okay. So there's no excuses, but I mean, some of the main ones like Apple Podcast and or Spotify. And you could always head to our social media accounts to stay up to date as each and every Wednesday we have a brand new episode for Wimey Project. And you can also let us know if there's someone that you would like to hear on a future episode. At Wimey Project on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Wimey Project at Outlook.com. And of course, as always, FaithStrongToday.com. Yeah.